Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2017. We are reading from the big book, and we are on page 37, the second full paragraph. Today's readers are... Marietta P. on the 12 Steps, Esther F. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Du L., Martha Z., and Allison L. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, May 8th, 7 a.m. is 9915, and 10 a.m. is 9917. Our newcomer greeter today is Mary Ann D., OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Marietta P. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. Marietta P. from Virginia, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so so, would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marietta P. And Esther F., would you please read the 12 Traditions of OA? 
Good morning. This is Esther F., a, compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend an OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought never ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation for all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we are starting our study of the big book on page 37, the second full paragraph, which begins, you may think this is an extreme case. We're going to read two paragraphs down to where it says what the terrific consequences may be. Our commentary will be on the second paragraph read, or the third paragraph on the page. Okay, uh, let's see. Do L, would you please get us started? Good morning. Um, you may think this is an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characterized by every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon consequences. 
But there was always the curious mental phenomenon and parallel with our sound reasoning, there invariably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. The sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The insane idea won out. The next day, we would ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity how it could have happened. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, <clears throat> we're obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. And um, I'll start my timer here. Um, this is do recover compulsive reader from New York. And I, I love this paragraph because it's telling us that, you know, the insanity is the justifications, the excuses, the alibis, the unsound reasoning that comes with the type of thinking that the compulsive overeater has. And I'll give you some real time justifications. Um, you know, just to name a few, you know, um, some of the justifications that we use today is, you know, well, um, when someone uh, announces I'm a chronic relapser, you know, they're already telling us they're going to eat. You know, they're already telling us uh, I'm chronic. I'm letting you know I'm going to use this as an excuse to compulsively don't call me on my stuff. You know, or I'm an emotional eater. You know, um, I have all these emotions. Um, you know, I'm angry. I'm I'm depressed. I'm worried. I'm you know I'm jealous. I'm 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 all these different things. I'm nervous. You know, so I'm going to eat, and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to eat over these things. That's deliberate. Okay. Uh, another excuse might be. You know, I, I know I shouldn't be going to that restaurant because that was my the restaurant where I binged my brains off. But I'm going to go there because they have the salad and they have uh, these um, really nice stuff that I could eat there. You know, knowing that once you get there, you're going to be triggered to compulsively eat because the stimuli might be too too much for you. Um, or you know, or what happens when um, when we use the excuse of, you know, of um, I'm going to take this medication because the doctor's telling me that this is the only the only medication that I could take, you know, um, because uh, that's going to help my illness. Well, there's many, many other medications out there. They might not have your substance and you could look for those things, you know, but in the light of our thinking is we we get shut off from the, the terrific consequences that follow, which is that, you know, once we start with that first bite, um, we're led, you know, to a spree and we can't stop once we start. Now, normal people don't do that. Normal people, you know, they have funerals, they have the loss of, of, of loved ones, they have surgeries, they have all of these things, but they don't, they don't give into compulsive eating because of that, you know, um, and so it's, it's given the, our, the contrast that we are not normal when it comes to our thinking. So this is telling us that, you know, we have a premeditation. We think about it. 
and then we go and do it in spite of the consequences that we have. So with that, I pass, and I'd like to hear more about this. Thank you, Du L. Who would like to share on the third paragraph on the page? Matt M. Tina S. David E. Matt M. Tina S. David, I didn't get your last initial, I'm sorry. David E. E, thank you. Okay, and who else? Harlan G. Harlan G. And who was the other? Betsy? Is that what you said, Betsy? Chrissy? Oh, Chrissy. Sorry, Chrissy. Okay. Um, Anyone else? Okay, we'll stop there. We have Matt M., Tina S., David E., Harlan G., and Chrissy G. Please go ahead, Matt. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive over here from New Jersey. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. Yeah, that was me recently, you know. I recently had a really close relationship end, and uh, because I was lying to them about certain things, and they can't they can't abide lying because it wasn't good for their recovery. And so I, I ate a couple times over this because I, I'm going to show them, you know, like, you know, how dare they, you know, let me go for whatever reason. Because I still think part of my brain still thinks that it's not, it wasn't called for. I still feel really upset about it. I was definitely depressed. I was definitely angry. And I also have other things going on, too. I'm not happy. My life isn't exactly where I want to be. So I was eating over that, too. It was an appropriate excuse. You know, like it says. There was no serious or effective thought during this period of premeditation, exactly what it is. I found myself walking from the library, walking home, passing the convenience store, and finally the thought occurred to me it would be okay to go buy a couple huge iced teas and three bags of gummy candy, just like that, like right now, suddenly right now. And um, and I, I convinced myself that, you know, because it wasn't that that much, that it was okay, but it's full of sugar. And, like, sugar is one of my trigger foods. I have to watch recreational sugar because that leads me to binge on my regular abstinent foods, too. You know, I have a much larger dinner than I should have or the next day I'm having two or three cans of something instead of one can. You know, it, it all it all builds on itself like a snowball rolling downhill. So it's like I definitely understand, um, relate to what this book is saying. And it's like what all, and it says there, insufficient light would always happen. I always got restless, irritable, discontented after benching because I feel crappy from doing it. I feel depressed that I did it, and I'm angry at myself for doing it. So then I, that perpetuates the cycle over and over and over again. There's no end to the, There's no end to it. There's no end to the food. I'm just grateful today that I don't, just for today, I don't have to eat over this. And um, that is basically what I plan on not doing today. I'm going to plan on staying abstinent and working through the steps with my sponsor. That'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, Tina F., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Thanks so much for the shares. I totally relate, and I'm grateful to be on the line. And, you know, I, I always say this because a lot of times, well, most of the times when I first read this book, I, I there was something that I didn't agree with or I couldn't relate to or I compared to. And so, I, you know, again, I thought this paragraph didn't relate to me. I never went out deliberately to eat. You know, I was so disgusted by the way that I ate. I would never go out deliberately. Well, that's just another lie that I told myself, you know, because I did. You know, there were times when I would just be, angry and it was just shared and I would say oh screw it 
I'm, you know, I can't do this thing. I may as well just eat. You know, I may as well just be face down in the food and then, you know, have a reason for being disgusted and depressed and angry and fearful and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, because certainly, you know, self-reliance failed me on my own. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with this thing. I could not deal with it. It had me licked. It certainly had me licked. And, and that's the insanity of it, you know, that this time it's going to be different. You know, and it says in the, in the previous paragraph, you know, the insanity was the lack of ability to think straight. I could not think straight, never, when it had to do with the food stuff. And, uh, you know, and it tells me on page 45 that God will solve my problem. It doesn't say that the higher power will help me solve my problem. He might be there, you know, to support me. It says God will solve my problem. You know, I need to get out of the driver's seat. I'm always in the driver's seat, and I always take the wrong turn guaranteed when it has to do with food stuff, guaranteed. You know, I know today, one day at a time, and, and I'm so grateful that, that this meeting is on every day, that I listen every day. You know, it's just what, what I, I can't even explain it. But what I do know is that when I get up in the morning and I ask God to keep me sober, absent, and stained, when I do, he does. And then, then I do the things one day at a time, daily, that keep me this way, that, you know, and not just keep me here because, you know, I can't stay in one place. You know, I need to grow or I go, and that's just the bottom line. And uh, some great stuff here. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. David E., please go ahead. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, Kathy Kay. Thanks for your service. This is uh, David E. in Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Um, these two paragraphs uh, really speak to me. Um, there are definitely numerous, numerous times when I have uh, come up with insanely trivial excuses for uh, taking a first bite or for um, buying uh, food that's going to put me over the edge. Sometimes it's uh, that I am standing in the convenience store picking up something that's not going to put me over the edge, and uh, out of the corner of my eye um, comes something, into the corner of my eye comes something very sweet and tantalizing, and I'll rush through thinking, yes, I'll pick this up, and the fact that I'm going through the store fast means something, means it's all right, means I'm not going to take time to pause or what have you. I like the hope that uh, is provided at the end of the second paragraph here, namely um, there's little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Remembering what the uh, terrific consequences might be is a great um, uh, provide can provide great strength, and then also the other tools of the program, namely trusting my higher power, experiencing the daily reprieve, and working the steps, um, help turn around uh, those insanely trivial excuses into um, thoughtful, assonant actions. So now I'll pass. Thank you, David E. Harlan G., please go ahead. Thank you very much, Kathy, and thank you to Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. 
and Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I look at these two paragraphs, it reminds me of a couple of things that are very important for me to remember. The first thing that it leads me to remember is food is never the problem for me. Food is the solution to the problem. And that there are two mechanisms in my brain which aid and abet the powerless condition along with, of course, the physical allergy. One is the mental twist which drives me irresistibly to the food because of the insane idea that I need, not in, but the pain of not eating is too much for me to bear. The pain of not eating is so unrelenting, so searing, so debilitating that I cannot stand it anymore. And so I seek food as a relief to this pain and the mental twist is driving me into the food in search of that relief and it's aided and abetted by the mental blank spot. The mental blank spot is the built-in forgetter. Notice the words here. It says, we have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely, extra, insanely trivial excuse. Notice they don't use the word reason. They use the word excuse for taking the first drink. The other thing that's very, very important for me to remember is why I love a resentment is why I need the steps. That resentment or that fear will allow me to abdicate responsibility for my life. And if I can resent you, then I can abdicate and I can blame you and I can say to myself, tonight I'm going to eat everything I want to eat and it's your fault because if you hadn't have done that to me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I can use that as a reason to eat Illinois and most of Wisconsin, and I have done that many, many, many times because my brain will not focus in on what the food will do to me. It will only focus in on what the food will do for me, and this is the insanity of this illness. Somebody yesterday, I think it was Melissa, but somebody yesterday said about the speed trap, I wouldn't deliberately speed past the cop that's insane but i will do the same thing again and again and again with the food i'm trying to speed past the cop and i never made it but i will try again if i don't work the steps thank god for the steps and this big book and vision for you and with that i'll pass thank you very much thank you harlan g chrissy g please go ahead Good morning. It's Chrissy G. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And as far as food goes, I have, before I was recovered, I was insane as far as the food went. And I had to own that. I had to, I had to know that my thinking wasn't correct when it came to that, that I couldn't think of myself out of um, binging. I couldn't, I couldn't talk myself out of it. There was no no way that I could reason. My reason was no match against the compulsion. And I have to I have to accept that and know that because of that, the prerequisite for um, not falling back into a binge is to take direction from other people. 
and not trust myself as far as food goes. And it, it goes further than that. It goes further than that. That's, you know, kind, kind of that's like um, the first step, um, part of the first step that just we're, we're working it on the food, the powerlessness. But I also, I also have to realize that there's, there's this mechanism in my brain that my thinking, no matter what the emotion or the situation, if it's something that my disease wants to avoid, the default is going to be to eat. So last night I was talking to one of my sponsees and she was having a really hard time. I have a lot of people that are slipping and sliding and we we can't get on with the work because they're not putting the food down and they get a day. And, and so I was talking to this one particular girl because I try to work with them like it says to kind of figure out what the thinking was that preceded the binge. And she's got a, a lot going on, but but seemingly unimportant things, decisions that she's making. And she's fought, but she's fine. You know, and I like um, what they say in AA that fine is um, effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotionally disturbed. Because a lot of times we are fine as long as we get to binge, you know, temporarily, as long as in our minds whatever's going on is go- at the end of the day we're going to be able to get get what we, our disease is going to be able to get what it wants. We're going to be able to feed that compulsion because that's the only life we, we, we know anymore is feeding the compulsion. That's the only relief we have in life. But there's a better way. And I, I honestly, I honestly don't know why I can't seem to get some people that I work with to understand that they can't trust their own thinking, that they still rely on their own thinking. The only thing that makes sense to me is that they just you know at this point um, don't have don't have the ability to have a, a step two and say that I am insane and I I do need to trust you. You're my higher power right now. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Uh, I'll take another uh, group of names. Who else would like to? Larry. Larry, Anna B. Okay, I have Larry A, Melissa C, um, Diane B. Who else? Leia. 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 Okay, let's stop there. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get to all. Here's who I have. Larry K., Melissa C., Diane B., Leah S., Anne S., Rachel W., Lynn S., and Leslie W. Please go ahead, Larry. Okay, thanks, Kathy. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Okay, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, um, so we, in reading this paragraph, um, and, and with all the shares, we, you know, we begin to understand what sort of thinking precedes taking that first bite. I want to draw a distinction because I think it's important in terms of, 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 you know, of having some hope that our thinking can change. See, you don't change your thinking 
these st- in terms of uh, being a compulsive overeater and having the thinking that precedes taking the first bite, we don't change that. We we just work the steps. The change is done by your higher power, and I didn't get that. And and that was it was important to know that I didn't get that because I will never see the steps through, no matter how many times I've worked them very, very imprecisely. I'll continue to work them imprecisely. I'll continue to search for some other way. But I can tell you by way of uh, offering some hope that once one has a spiritual awakening, all these things happen, nervousness, because it's a normal human thing, fear, jealousy, anger, all those things. There are people on this line, including myself, that all those things come up. You know why they come up? Because we're human and they will continue to come up. So why, you might ask yourself, why is it that there are people on this line that experience those very same circumstances that give rise to those human feelings but do not pick up? And I could answer that for you based on my experience and hearing the experience of others. They don't pick up anymore because they don't want the food anymore because they've had a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out the obsession. They have those human emotions, but they don't want the food anymore. It's not like they're battling to stay out of the food for one more day. That's not what I have. And I don't think I'm the only one. They don't want the food anymore. They notice the food because human, pe- human beings have consciousness. They notice things. They just don't want it. Their, cha- their thinking has been changed as the result of the steps. And that's important to know because otherwise you may think this program teaches you how to, how to deal better with anger, nervousness, worry. And it really doesn't. What, it do- what these steps do is in, it brings you into lo- an alignment with your higher power which despite having these human emotions, you don't want the food anymore. And that's the beauty. That's the miracle of this program for me. It was the first day. It still is today. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so we're getting like um, kind of two views about about how we pick up. You know, sometimes it seems almost accidental, like we walk into a place and then before we know it, we're putting something in our in our milk. And and other times it's been like deliberate. We go out with all the intention of eating. And you know, I I have definitely done that with like planning a binge, knowing full well I wasn't just going to have a bite. You know going to the store, buying everything I needed for this binge. And um, and sometimes it was I was upset. Sometimes it was um, I was lonely. Sometimes it was it was Friday. It was going to snow. You know, it was like I remember doing that on, on snow days, thinking, well, I'm going to be snowed in, so I'm going to eat, you know. And then um, – Believing, you know, what was really crazy was believing that I was going to have this, like, big hurrah party with the food, but that come Monday, I was going to have the ability to leave it alone. 
And so that's the part that um, I could never make the connection, that um, I don't get to say when I'm done dancing. You know, it's like, I heard somebody say it's like dancing with, with a gorilla. You know, I can't decide when, when it's done. I have no more power on Monday morning when, you know, the plow has come through and the roads are clear and, and you know, the snow day is over to put the food down than I did on that day when I was when I was planning the binge. And that's the part that um I had an inability to learn from from my consequences. You know, I could not make that connection that um you know, I couldn't finish the thought that, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I had a gallon of ice cream, you know, a, a whole cake followed by ten months of soup self-loathing, you know, depression. I always thought I could say when I was done, and um, and I could not. And so every excuse, you know, was um, was ridiculous in light of the hell it was going to cause me, that it wasn't just going to be, you know, a, a little bit of fun. I was going to continue eating when it was no more fun, when I didn't want to. When Monday morning came and I was crying, um, I was still driving through Dunkin' Donuts. And, um, you know, and so that's why we really need a, a spiritual solution to drive out the insanity so that today I can complete the thought. So if I ever get the desire for a moment, wouldn't it be nice if I had this, it is quickly replaced with the reality I could never just have that and say when I was done. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Diane B., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K., for your service and everyone else who has spoken. My name is Deanna B., and I'm a grateful recovered just for today, compulsive overeater from Chicago. Uh, you know, every time we read this and we read around this, and I hear the comments, and it's so helpful to me. My denial was so great that I really, I, I don't remember ever thinking, well, this one hurt me, uh, or I'm, I'm craving this or whatever because my body is loaded with the substance. And then I go out, and I just do it. I never thought my denial was really great. And coming back into OA in 2014 uh, and connecting with a higher power and working the program and getting a sponsee, first having a guide, then a sponsee, being introduced to a vision, I began to be more aware, made more aware by through prayer, through meditation, through listening of when my little voice, as I call it, my little devil says, oh, you can have that. And then the other, that I know now today that that's my, you know, disease. Uh, when I was in Italy last, I don't know exactly when, I was so grateful that I was able to go and all this bread and oil and stuff that was every time we went out to eat, which was just about every day, you know, I remember one of those times in the two weeks I was gone, that little voice said, oh, you could have one. 
And then that other little voice said, oh, sure, go ahead, but are you going to be able to stop? And it was the answer was no. And I'm just so grateful that I do have a connection with my higher power, and I invite my higher power in with me multiple times during the day. And when I don't, I know I'm in trouble and I have to get back on the stick and uh, and start working more. When I'm resting on my laurels, that's it. I know. When I'm resting on my laurels, I might not be aware of it at first, but I get a message and I have to get back on track. And, you know, it's like those, like uh, I've heard said, uh, it's somebody's heroin. It's my alcoholic foods. I just, you know, there's no option. Uh, my brother died. I came in uh, to town. I had been staying in Arizona for a few months. You know, I I went shopping as soon as I came back home. There was nothing in the fridge. And uh, at the, um, I'm Jewish, and they said, shiver, the, all the food. I brought my own. You know, I had never done that. But I'm aware today. And I'm just full of so much gratitude that God has graced me with my weight loss. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna B. Leah S., please go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater. Next day, we ask ourselves in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? Next day. That may, why are they saying the next day? Why aren't they saying, well, when I drove, when I finished my uh, binge, why why aren't they saying, uh, you know what, um, while I was binging, I, I really didn't, I wanted to stop. But they're saying the next day. They're saying because when I am clear, when my mind is clear, when I'm really, really looking deep into myself, really with all my sincerity, with with the depth of my heart. How did this happen? It's so powerful. And that's when it should hit me. And that's when it did hit me. Why did I binge? And then they go on and they say, you know, all kinds of um, excuses that, that we would give ourselves. Life is life. We deal with different people. Not everybody is as calm. Not everybody is as uh, as, as happy. Or or or. And not even I am I always in this mood that I would like to be, quote unquote, like to be in. And this and this, they're just telling me that there's no there's no thinking of what is going to be, what is not going to be. On page 567, at the end of the book, they're telling us about a a spiritual experience. In the beginning of the book, not even a page, but they're starting off with Roman numerals. They're telling us about the doctor's opinion. Most of the time when people write a book, they write first what this book is about, and at the end of the book, they tell you the, the end game of the book, the period after the sentence ends and that's where it ends the spiritual experience but they're explaining to me that i have a disease and it's a mental twist it's a very very powerful disease and without these 12 steps and without my higher power i wouldn't be here where i am at today and i thank you for letting me share i pass thank you leah s jan s please go ahead 
Good morning, family. This is Jan S. from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service, and thank you, everybody, for your shares. It's been wonderful to listen. Um, I was one of those chronic flippers, one of those chronic people for a very long time in the room, and what I understand today is I, I have been abstinent, thank you, by the grace of God and the 12 steps of this recovery process program that, you know, um, I've been placed in a position of neutrality today as a result of working the steps and continuing to have a spiritual relationship with a power greater than myself that I choose to call God today and that I, I accept to the bottom of my very being that I have no mental defense against the first bite. None. And until I could accept that truly, nothing was going to, to get me through those times when fear comes, when self-pity comes, when anger comes, when lack of acceptance on, of life on life's terms comes, life's term come, life terms comes. But what I understand today is that only a spiritual solution will get me through. Only that. I cannot cure or get, you know, uh, save, stop a mental obsession with a physical response like eating. I can't stop a mental, a mental obsession with thinking it through. The only thing is a spiritual solution. You know, it, it, that's where my problem lies. And that's exactly what, you know, we are beyond human aid whether it's my aid or anybody else's, I am beyond human aid. Only a reliance on a power greater than myself is going to keep the food down. And to, the, to this day, I say I am gratefully placed in a position of neutrality, and I do not want the food when I go through stuff. And that is the, the whole blessing of a spiritual recovery today, is that I do not want to pick up the food today. So no matter how bad I feel, I am so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for everybody on this line. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you, uh, Jan S. Rachel W., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service. And it's great to hear you on the line. Um, this is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Elevator, calling from New York. And I just really love this meeting. I've, I just love this book, uh, just the fact that it, 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 all of these reminders, you know, telling me that it, it's about the food and the food is definitely important. I need to look at my food and, and um, be clear on it and get direction with it. But ultimately, it's my mental obsession, my thoughts, my reasoning that gets me into trouble. Um, and I, I really appreciate that reminder now. And, you know, what's coming up for me is, is just the the fact that when I came in here that I could I could learn that it was about you know giving over my will, um, but not necessarily to this like ethereal spiritual experience, you know, but rather to another person, you know, just to say like how do you do this, you know, and opening myself up to be teachable to say, you know, help me, like you know it goes from help me to use me, you know, God just use me in your work and. Um, you know, what's coming up for me as well is, is just the contrast between what it's like to be faced with a dilemma of eating and um, use my own thoughts and motivations to reason out and rationalize why I should eat 
And then the contrast, cost, contrasting that with um, reaching out for help and saying, you know, can you just, can you help me? Can you show me what you did, you know, so that I can, I can get there too. And, and, you know, for, for me, and I share this a lot, but there's no greater contrast than when my sister in 1994, um, she was 34 at the time, and, and you know she's in a, in a timeless eternity of being 34. Um, she's still older than me, even though I'm much older than her. Um, but you know, she, I, I watched her die. I had to watch her die, and um, I watched her cancerous tumor get bigger and bigger. And um, she's a beautiful, beautiful person. And I watched her die, and I did not know about OA, and I and I was binging my way through when I was in the next room, just binging and binging. My brother came in and found me with wrappers because I, I had no other, to me, there was no other solution. Like, the, I, you know, when I, when I don't want to feel, I binge. So that's what I was doing. Um, but in the meantime, my sister who was dying um, kept asking for, uh, you know, was sitting like, what would you like? And I, you know, she was, of course she was drugged, but she knew she was on her way out in some way or other. And, um, and she wanted tinctures. She wanted teas. You know, she wanted, herbs, herbal stuff. And I looked at her like, are you crazy? You've got like a week left, like order a peanut butter parfait and a whipped cream, whoever, you know, like, you know, mass amount to read. That's what I would be doing. Right. But it struck me and it strikes me still. And it was one of her, the greatest gifts she gave me was in that moment. I look back and I say, who was really dying? Who was really alive? You know, I was dying inside. I did not, a part of me did not want to be here. I did not want to deal with the agitation of life. I say, I don't have any time left, but I'll just end with that. Just that, that a part of me did not want to deal with the agitation of life, but to the end of her days, you know, she, she chose life. And in this program, because of you and because of all of you showing me how to get to my higher power, that's what I do today as I lean into these steps. It's a continuous action of choosing life. I don't have to pick up. I can reach for the phone instead. I can leave the room. I can do it. I do have choices. So I'm going to thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Rachel W. Lynn S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. It's just striking me while we're sitting here and, and you know, it's you saying deliberately justified um, seriousness. And I'm just remembering the hardness in my soul when I was standing in the parking lot digging through the garbage to pull out my the the bin shoes that I had dumped there because I was so furious with my sponsor. And I remember seeing her across the parking lot and I was eating directly at her. And I can remember the venom I felt. And I, I don't remember eating at someone before like that. And... Um, what's striking me so much is that same drive, like that same fervor that I was eating at her. When I look now at my character defects and see that same drive when it comes over me, like I have to do it and I have to do it now, but it's not just the urgency. It's that hard line, that drive that gets me into trouble all the time and I just this paragraph is just standing out to me so much with that that hardness, the deliberateness of it. And I, I can remember being so lost and so justified at that time. Like there was no other thing to do and this was happening and completely justified and 
this is it. And it's just that, that narrowness, that black and white thinking, that hardness, that urgency. Um, it just reminds me of that terrible, terrible place that I lived in for so many years that was um, had brief moments of uh, eating just for the heck of it or I don't know how it happened, it just fell in my mouth and all that stuff, or eating for the pleasure of it. But there was no pleasure in this. I, I must admit there was no pleasure, but it was satisfying a need and a drive that was so strong I was completely powerless. And it's... Um, it's such a gift of the program that that drive is being lifted out of me. Certainly has been right now around the food, but that same hardness, that same black and white thinking, that same drive, that same desperation, that same I am going to do this no matter what the cost in relation to my character defect is being lifted as well. And it's all uh, a gift of working the steps and working the program. And I, I remember what Dr. – well, I don't know what he said. I wasn't there. But having people having quoted to me that Dr. Bob said, I don't care what you're thinking because you're nuts. So while you're thinking those thoughts, take this action, and the action will change your thinking. And the action of putting down the food and the binge behaviors and the action of working the steps has changed my thinking and continues to change my thinking. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Leslie W., please go ahead. Thank you for your service. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. <clears throat> But there was always a curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. I'm a picture, I'm a visual person, and when I read this line, I, I envision a, a, a railroad track, <clears throat> and on one side of the track is the disease, the, that curious mental phenomenon. Then on the other side of the track is the sound reasoning. Um, that sound reasoning, when it's running parallel with my mental, with, with, with my disease, that, that mental phenomenon, whether I have the food down or not, that, that mental obsession um, is always, you know, it's, it's, always going, it's, it's always going to be running faster than me um, if I have not, if I am not applying the steps in my life. So... <clears throat> So, you know, for me, I find that um, when, I, when I jump in the middle of that track and, and forget that sound reasoning, throw it out the window, because you know what, it's not going to do me any good, because eventually it's going to run out of steam, because that mental phenomenon, you know, that mental phenomenon is a freaking Usain Bolt. It's always going to win. It's always going to beat that sound reasoning, because I'm a real compulsive overeater. But when I humble myself and surrender and admit my powerlessness and I jump in the middle of that trap with my higher power, my higher power is stronger than that sound reasoning. My higher power is stronger than that mental phenomenon. And we're just going to truck along 
we're just going to truck along in the middle of that track every single day, my hand in God's, because that's the only way that I can live today. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. We have time for one more share. Is anyone like to take that? Monica. Monica T. Who was that, the second person? Katie S. from Pittsburgh. Katie S. Okay, we'll we'll see if we have time. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T., a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in a chapter, more about alcoholism. And this is all about my crazy, insane mind, my, my abnormal way of thinking. And in both of these cases here, I'm, this is while I'm sober, while I'm abstinent, here are different ways that my crazy mind is working. And so they're pointing out to us in the second paragraph here that some circumstances we've gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified. Our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happens. So whether we have the thought suddenly to put the whiskey in my milk or I'm planning a binge tonight because you pissed me off there and I'm going to get even with you, in either case, I don't have any memory of the consequences of what is going, how I'm going to be after this is done or what this is going to do to me. The miserableness, you know, we all know there, the uh, the pain and the uh, depression and we're beating ourselves up and how did this happen and blah, 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 you know. Um, well, it happens because you, I have an alcoholic mind. My mind cannot think straight when it comes to food. And it's not going to think straight whether that idea pops in my head suddenly or I'm planning the binge. I am going to do the same thing I've always done. And I loved how Larry said, you know, this thinking, I don't change this thinking. God changes this thinking. And he's changed my thinking. How did that happen? As a result of my working the steps, I got that spiritual awakening. He's changed my thinking. I can't do it. Nobody else could do it for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Uh, Katie S., would you like to take a one-minute share? Sure, I can do that. Thank you. Uh, Katie S., recovered in Pittsburgh. Um, When I got this paragraph deep down in my heart, that's when I really understood that I had a form of mental illness, that I was going out feeling justified for my binges, but in reality, this hurting myself, um, and just whatever I thought I was signing up for, oh, I'm going to binge on the weekends. The disease had other ideas. It had other plans in mind, and it turned into, you know, blanketing into the next week, or if I thought that I was signing up for, okay, I'm going to go on vacation, yeah, or what, whatever it may be, it just, it always extended far past whatever my mind could see. So it just, it really, it really drove home, like, my my thinking is really untrustable. All right, thanks. Thank you very much, Katie. Yes. 
Okay, it's now time to close the meeting, the first hour of our meeting, actually. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Tuesday, May 9th, is 9920. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Martha Z., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.